0: Charter school supporters fight for survival. The Mark Dan scandal resurfaces and the great chicken flap. These topics and more are this week on Columbus on the Record.
1: From the Battelle studio at WOSU at CoSide, this is Columbus on the Record, WOSU-TV's weekly analysis of the top stories affecting central Ohio. Joining Mike Thompson this week, Darrell Rowland, Public Affairs Editor for the Columbus Dispatch. Jeff Winbush, writer and host of the blog, The Domino Theory. Bob Clegg, Republican strategist. And Sandy Tice, public relations consultant.
0: Some 3,000 supporters of charter schools rallied at the Statehouse this week as the Senate begins reworking the governor's education reform plan. They blasted Ted Strickland's plan, which would cut funding for the publicly funded but privately run schools.
2: Now I know, I know it's an awful thing
3: that you're having to go through right now. I can't imagine your parents and you having to deal with the fact that there are people in power in this state that want to close your school down. That's wrong. No, We're not going to let them do
1: it, are we?
0: It's one of many controversial facets of the plan, and the governor is stepping up his fight to get it approved.
4: Last week it was his rally,
0: this week a new web video.
4: As this plan is discussed in the legislature over the next months, we must remember that we have a combined responsibility to do the right thing for Ohio's children. And we can never forget the power of an individual person, whether a teacher, parent, or community member, in advocating for the right way. Even in the midst of these challenging economic circumstances, we must commit to moving forward. All
0: this comes as a Columbus Dispatch analysis finds that Ohio will need an economic boom to pay for the governor's plan. Dow Roland, the Strickland administration disagrees with your analysis. They seem hesitant to say that this is going to cost a lot of money. Why?
2: Because there's no money to pay for it. <laughs> pretty much we have a 10-year phase in Um, state funding alone actually goes down the first two years Um, my colleague Jim Siegel did the the analysis which has not been disputed by anyone other than the governor's office it's not been disputed mathematically by the governor's office they just didn't like it quite frankly two main problems he has a 10-year phase in Uh, the claim has been made by the governor by the leadership in the among the House Democrats who also approved the plan it's going to cost about the same the next 10 years As it has in the past 10 years so hey no sweat we did it in the past decade we can do it again Mm -hmm. Uh, the math doesn't work Uh, two major incorrect assumptions Uh, one is they've costed out the plan now when it's fully phased in but that's not going to stay the same for 10 years that's like saying I'm gonna buy that $40,000 Cadillac now I'm I'm gonna buy it in 10 years I, I want it now I'm going to save up forty thousand, but guess what? In ten years, it's going to cost a lot more than forty thousand. Teachers want to make more than they do. Yeah, I, assuming zero inflation, uh, zero increase in teacher salaries, uh, school buses are going to cost the same instructional materials, what have you. The other thing is they're using the wrong starting line. It's actually an eight-year phase-in because there is not more uh, state money going to education in the next budget. So how big a so how big a
0: change will we see with the Senate plan? Will they find the money, or will they just cut it way back. I
1: think we're going to see a pretty dramatic change. I mean, what we've seen from the Senate so far is a lot of their priorities are different and don't overlook the political implications of this. The governor's a Democrat, the Senate is controlled by the Republicans, and the governor drew a line in the sand when he was running and said, here's what I will do, I will get us a constitutional school funding plan. And then the bottom fell out of the economy and that made that promise more difficult to keep and I think you're going to see a lot of people reminding the governor and reminding the voters that that promise was broken.
3: I think that what you'll see from the Senate is a reality-based budget. They're going to actually do a budget that's based on what's occurring currently and what probably will be occurring in the next two years. What the governor has done is just try to Prop up a re-election campaign budget so, th- so that he could avoid making any hard decisions on any of these issues. But unfortunately for him, it's going to have to because that budget, uh, that that Senate version is going to go back to the House. They're not going to concur, so it's going to have to go to a conference committee.
0: A lot of the Republican focus, Jeff, is on the charter school issue, mm-hmm. but that's not going to solve the funding problem. Are they, what's the? Are they using this as a red herring? I guess if they keep beating this charter school drum. But it's not going to solve the education reform. It's part.
4: not going to solve the problem, but it's, it's a winning issue. It's a good issue for the Republicans because w- Governor Strickland is just the latest in a long line of education governors who have not worked on the, the primary problem of school how do you fund these school programs? And this is not going this, this his budget, his, what he's advocating is not going to survive intact when the Senate gets through with it, when the House, when the reconciliation is done. What else he'll, he'll settle for something that he can, co- he can come back to the voters in, you know in 2010 and say, "Hey, this is what I've got, and uh, you know we've got something that we think I think works pretty well, but uh, when, it gets, when it gets through it, when it gets through the legislative process, it's going to look radically different than it does now well,
2: One of the fundamental problems here is that the governor has a credibility problem with, with the legislature, especially with the Republicans. Now we might say d 's and R's, of course, they never get along, but I think it goes more than that. His original school funding budget ball teacher salaries, again, just bad math. We're not even talking about a policy issue here. Um, it improperly supplanted uh, uh, state money with federal money. Um, might have been illegal. The House cleaned him up on that. Uh, but now we're getting new budget estimates. He's not communicating that to the House, uh, that the money is going down. They pass, actually, a higher budget. And now we have, what, a billion dollar hole in this current budget, maybe a $3 billion hole in the next budget. This is going to be, there's going to be a lot of blood on the floor. And talking about the Senate, they're not going to want $3 billion worth of blood on their hands. They'll take the yeah. first whack, but it's just going to come down to three people, and that's the Speaker, the Senate President, and the Governor. So do they wait, they pass a budget with
0: perhaps optimistic, but less optimistic, revenue projections, get it passed, and then a year from now, if the economy hasn't boomed, then they've got to deal with even more cuts. Is that what we see happening?
1: Well, they're also talking about doing a one-year budget. I know that's been on the table and off the pay- table off and on for a while uh, in the last couple of weeks, but I wouldn't be surprised if we did see something like that because no matter what your view of the Office of Budget, budget Management is right now, I don't think anybody can properly forecast in this economy, and so if they buy themselves some time, they might be able to but find But the only a way to problem
3: I see with that is when that one-year budget expires, we're in the middle of the campaign season and I hate to think what's going to happen in the middle of the campaign season
1: well, it's been done before it hasn't been done <laughs> for Just a while
0: time with nothing else All right, let's get to topic number two it is hard to believe it has been a year since Mark Dan resigned as Ohio's Attorney General because of a sexual harassment scandal this week a key figure in the scandal was indicted among the charges that Anthony Gutierrez faces are theft in office and fraud and rather than disappear, Mark Dan is doing some interviews, trying to restore his name. Cindy Tice, wouldn't you think that we would not hear from Mark Dan for a while? We've heard quite a bit <laughs> from him lately.
1: Uh, knowing Mark Dan, I would be surprised if we didn't hear from him. Um, I think he is—he's uh, always been press friendly. He's married to a, a journalism professor who used to be a very well-regarded investigative reporter. He. I think is hardwired to want to talk about things that are going on in his life and he thinks that will be helpful to him
0: so it's not he just wants to talk he's not trying to lay the
4: groundwork for another campaign or a future I don't think think so Mark Mark, Dan and Dick Cheney really ought to go out and have have a (laughs) have lunch together or something because they need need to stay away from the camera for a while let's forget about them but I think Dan is sort of thinking he's, he's I don't think he's ever really felt that he did anything wrong he, j- and he, just, he just, reality has just not set in for him, and he is on a somewhat, it seemed like almost like a reconciliation tour trying to get something back, a good name, and I don't think it's gonna happen for him. Darrell, folks in the
0: dispatch this past week, some of uh, the State Senator Robert Hagan seem to have regrets for the way they basically threw Mark Dinn under the bus a year ago by asking him
2: to resign or face impeachment. Well, it's interesting, you get the, get the long lens of hindsight out and you say, well, what was the rush to toss him out? Um, even more significantly, we all talk about the wrong that Mark Dan has done. What are we going to charge him with? What crime was committed there? I'm not defending him. I'm saying, you know, mismanagement, bad decisions, and hiring things of that nature, of being stupid. that that was indictable, he might have to build 50 more prisons. Um, we'll see. Um, the prosecutor tried to flip Tony Gutierrez, uh, his general services director. Couldn't do it. Seeming like he would need, and this is the guy who's probably Going to face the most charges of all. Tried to flip him to move up to Mark Dan, couldn't get it. We'll see where the uh, Franklin County Prosecutor goes from here.
1: Well, when they were talking initially about impeaching him, um, there were two people who said, "Hey, what's the impeachable offense?" And one of them was Bill Batchelder, a longtime Republican legislator, very smart man, now the Minority Leader in the House, constitutional scholar, and a Republican conservative. And Mark Dan, those two were saying, "What's the impeachable offense?" And I don't think we ever got a real good answer to that question.
3: Because the Democrats were so afraid of this issue. They wanted to get rid of it. They wanted him out of there. They rushed it along. They didn't fully review this. Now, I I think the guy is a crackpot and he did a lot of bad things but but that i don't know there's a lot of politicians that do that and they don't get kicked out of office so
0: they didn't want the tom noe bob taft albatross hanging around them well, well but they, they still have an election.
3: albatross hanging around them because this this trial that's going to be going on for gutierrez is probably going to end up in the campaign cycle in the mm-hmm. in next year sometime and they're going to you know it's not going to be good for the democrats that whole
4: thing it, of cultural of corruption is coming back
3: well as
0: we tape on a friday afternoon a new issue has arose. I don't know if you call it a scandal. Mark Barbash, the interim development director, has stepped aside from that post, gone back to a lower level post. It came out that he owes $150,000 in back taxes uh, and penalties and fines as well. Another Democrat owing back taxes. This is not good for the Strickland administration as it tries to pass its budget and gain credibility with the legislature. What happens next in this case?
2: I think the Obama
3: administration will, will <laughs> want to bring <laughs> it the, you, know. <laughs> you get promoted that answer. way. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm just constantly amazed that we have these kinds of situations. I, uh, situations because I think all this does is, is there's, a, there's a, uh, a thought out there that somehow if you're in government and you're a public official, you're treated differently than everybody else. And it's because of instances like this and all the instances we saw with the Obama administration that caused people, the general public, to believe that kind of thing. And that's the worst sort of thing you want people to think about their government, but that's the way it is. Surprised
0: he's not leaving the development department as a whole? Yes. And not getting...
3: Not if you owe that much money in back taxes, you should not be getting a government paycheck. Well, I'm that, sorry.
4: Write that in pencil because, you know, depending on, this came out on a Friday, which is, a slow, which is usually a slow news day. They're hoping that, that that by coming out now, that it, that it may not show up, you know, on the rest of public till next week. If this continues, if there's more to the story, and there's just and we just know on the first blush, then he may be out of the, out of that job. He may be looking for a job like a lot of other Ohioans.
0: Okay, let's get to our third topic. A bill to place a moratorium on foreclosures is moving through the state legislature. A House committee has okayed a bill that would place a six-month moratorium on foreclosures, but to qualify property owners would have to still make at least half of their monthly mortgage payments. Jeff Winbush, many of these foreclosure stories are downright heartbreaking. People who lose their jobs, get sick, then lose their home.
4: But should the government get involved in preventing and stopping these foreclosures? Absolutely, they should, because I think, I think at a time when we've seen the federal government intercede uh, generously and using taxpayer money to prop up banks that have made bad, personal, made bad professional decisions, some people have made bad personal decisions. They bought too much house and more house than they could pay for. And yes, they, they, they should suffer some, uh, some p- um, punishment for that. You know, but we're the government is so invested in um, right now in terms of banks, and this is definitely one of the major por- uh, portions of it. So I have no problem with them stepping in and you know uh, to provide some assistance for uh, homeowners at this time. Is it a
0: fair compromise or an unfair burden to ask the folks to pay half of their mortgage? If, if they're facing foreclosure, you figure they're in tough straits anyway.
1: I guess I'd need to know more about their personal circumstances. But, but what um, surprises me about this is, remember when the savings and loans had all the problems in, I think, the 80s, and the government came in and they started to take down the savings and loans and restructure the debt? We really haven't seen that with the housing crisis. And I think that would have been a nice way to spend some of that money that you talked about, get people in mortgages that they can afford, restructure those mortgages, and and um, make all parties maybe not whole, but make them be a little more equitable. And, and I'm surprised we haven't seen that on the table yet.
3: I, I am just always, I, I don't like to see government involved in this sort of thing. Now, we already have it on a federal level, OK? How much bailout do we have here? I mean, this is once again another bailout for another group of people. I mean, yeah, but if we, you're
1: restructuring the loans and getting them into mortgages that they can afford, and maybe extending the time period over with over which they're paying,
3: so that the full amount that. is eventually repaid. Okay, but I mean, I, we can't be going in there and paying half of it, and then having them pay half of it, and then we, the taxpayers, never g- get that half back.
4: Well, but these are ta- but these are taxpayers as well, and what they're not. They're not getting a free ride here. They still have to make you no know, make a payment to, half to the bank. payment. The banks. I would love to get a half payment, payment. on my, my and mortgage I, okay? I would as well. But, but that doesn't mean it's not a free ride. They will eventually have to catch up with the full amount that they owe. So I don't I don't think there's any problem of giving them a little buying a little time. And this
0: is just a timeout. This isn't forgiving the exactly. mortgage. This is six just months. a six month or uh, some states I guess have done ninety days three month moratoriums.
1: And I don't see this getting through the Senate.
0: That's my next question. Does it go anywhere? Uh, the, I mean,
2: the banking lobby's already been effective in, in really watering down this bill before the Democratic-controlled House. Uh, the, the so-called cram-down decision or provisions, uh, allowing a judge to restructure the mortgage, those are already out of the bill and we're only halfway through the process.
0: And that was There were some constitutional questions there whether the judge could step in and, and rewrite right. them.
2: And is this even too late for Ohio?
0: Yeah, I mean, the foreclosures are high, but they seem to be
2: this might have it's been great in, you know, two or three years ago. It's sort of peaked and maybe leveling off a Well, bit. and
3: I'm, I'm even wondering, have we really even seen if the federal um, mortgage plan has even done anything? Has it been effective? Do we even know yet? So until we know even if that's worked or not, I don't know if we should be doing something on a state level.
0: Okay, Legalizing marijuana for medical purposes might get a hearing at the state house. Medical pot is legal in about a dozen states, including Michigan. And supporters have a new poll on their side. The Ohio poll shows 73% of Ohioans somewhat or strongly support allowing doctors to prescribe marijuana for their patients. Supporters say it helps relieve symptoms of cancer and other diseases. Opponents fear people will abuse any legalization of marijuana. Bob Clegg, 73% of the people support it. Lawmakers are going to rush to <laughs> approve this, right? No, I don't oh. think so.
3: Uh, I think if the, if the supporters of this uh, you know, uh, idea want wants to make it law, they're going to have to go and circulate petitions and, and get it on the ballot because I don't see the legislature passing this to put it on the ballot because it's, uh, you know, it's very controversial, obviously.
0: But if there is a, a vast majority of folks who support it, is the fear the, the, the folks who oppose it or is it the fear the negative ads that are going to be run against somebody who does support it?
3: Well, I think it's the, the fear is that you're going to be viewed as someone who wants to L- l- make lax you know drug laws because soft you're for drugs. yeah and, and you know that's that's something nobody wants that kind of thing around their neck
1: well I think the politicians always underestimate the voters on this kind yeah. of stuff if you look at in Michigan when Michigan did its legalization bill its medical marijuana bill that got more votes than Barack Obama he was pretty popular in Michigan um, I think if they're structured properly the voters understand that it's not soft on drugs it's actually being compassionate to people who Need a little compassion,
4: All right? Because I, I could also see the other ads about someone in the last stages of cancer uh, saying that my I'm in such pain and this could be I could if I could only smoke some mar- American marijuana my pain would be alleviated. That's also very powerful, and I think the voters are sophisticated enough to know this is not a legalization of marijuana. This is a allowing people who are in a term suffering terminal and serious il- illnesses to get a little relief bob hagen uh, state rep told how public radio this week he says he lost in part
0: one of the reasons why he lost a race for mayor of youngstown is because he supported medical marijuana and the ads that were run against him said that he supported legalizing marijuana they left out the word medical mm-hmm. So that's the risk of supporting
3: well, And that's why you're, and, and, and you saw it in Michigan, it wasn't a something that the legislature put on the ballot. It was right. a it was a circulated via petition route. And, and that's why, it, it, that's going to be the only way this could ever make the ballot in Ohio.
1: Well, Ohio had legislation that didn't pass last time, but it was much more tightly crafted than some of the stuff we've seen in other states. It put in a specific list of ailments that you had to have to qualify, cancer, AIDS, um, uh, MS, so I think people in Ohio—we're we're not the West Coast—and I wouldn't expect people to act like it if this thing comes back.
0: Do um, we see it coming back? I mean,
4: it's, there's rumblings of it. This poll might give them some, you know. I think impetus. it's the idea. that's time, it's starting. It's, it's like gay marriage. You know, there are some ideas that they start off very small in various in other parts of the country, and eventually they send it send him to you know spread out like a weed, shall we say, <laughs> and I think this is going to be one of those, one of those things that in, with, 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 if, it's, if, it's, if the restrictions are in place and people understand what exactly they're voting for, I think you will see medical marijuana in Ohio eventually. Is the,
0: is the case made easier because, unfortunately, because of the abuse of other prescription drugs, like OxyContin and some of the pain-relieving drugs, where before marijuana was lumped in with the, with the cocaine and heroin, now you see the prescription drugs being a, abused they can say, well, look, if this is legal, why can't marijuana be legal if you have a prescription? Does that help it?
3: I don't know if that helps it or in a way hurts it because they're looking, you're looking at drugs that are already legal that are being abused. Yep. So if you do that with marijuana, what's the chances that also will be you know, abused? So I'm not so sure that would be a helpful thing for them. If you could control the abuse that's
0: going on now. <laughs> Might be. Well, maybe we'll talk about this in some other, (laughs) once they (laughs) launch their campaign. Finally tonight, it's not often we get to talk about poultry on Columbus on the Record, but chickens are making news, in particular urban chickens. Whether it's to have the depression-inspired option of egg sales from your backyard or a sudden urge to return to our agrarian roots, more and more city residents are at least looking into the possibility of raising chickens in their backyards. The problem is city officials and neighborhood associations often balk at the idea. Sandy Tice, you at one point considered chickens, decided against it.
1: Yes, Um, I actually toured a backyard poultry uh, endeavor in Cincinnati, very fancy neighborhood, very nice. The front of the house was beautiful. I went in the back and there were seven chickens. Um, We decided against it because they take these things called dust bass and they dig up your yard. But it is a trend that's sweeping the nation. Backyard poultry has a hundred thousand subscribers. That's a magazine on raising chickens in your backyard and I found a radio station that I think N- sh- NPR should pick up run by a guy who calls himself the chicken whisperer and their their uh, campaign slogan is we are fair and balanced because every chicken has a left wing and a right wing. <laughs>
0: <laughs> There's three puns so far in this show. <laughs> um, I mean, This comes down to property rights and what you can do on your property, I mean you don't want to be raising pigs and horses and cows in a suburban subdivision, no. you'd think anyway. Chickens, should cities be more lenient on poultry? Absolutely,
3: I think they they're cleaner be. animals. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like you're going to have the problem that you would have with pigs or horses or things like that. And uh, people, I mean, they're also an animal that actually produces uh, things, eggs, as well as themselves. And, uh, and uh, you know, I think people, it's weird how this works because you probably 60, 70 years ago, you had cities that were putting in laws to do away with people because back then a lot of people had, had you know, poultry on, on their property. So now it is 60 years later and we're going to go back to what we made illegal 60 years ago. Well, a
1: lot of those covenants were designed to get rid of or prevent livestock and I think the chickens kind of got roped in with the cows and the pigs and the horses and the goats (laughs) and they shouldn't have and they're quiet these chickens they didn't smell they were very quiet they didn't have a rooster they just had the chickens and the eggs are wonderful
0: yeah my neighbor when I was growing up he had it was a small farm but he had chickens we never heard him never bothered us no
4: rooster
1: you probably heard the neighbor's dog though didn't you
0: yes that's the
1: thing back in the day
4: when I was uh, just a young Windbush, we we had uh, chickens as pets but I don't. I know. I, no, I live, right now. I, I, I live in, a, in an area where I have Rottweilers on two sides of me. So if you want to have chickens, that's fine with <laughs> me. I don't care. <laughs> I mean, that that yeah. If you can have a dog, I mean, one of the studies I read said the chickens
0: produce less waste than large dogs. I'm They're cleaner. Sure. They're sure cleaner they animals. I'd like to know the person who did that study. <laughs> you know. um, Government grant.
2: <laughs>
0: uh, it goes to also regulations on lawn mowing what you can have how tall your fences can be Mm -hmm. there has to be a point where you have to let the property owner decide
3: well you you have laws that are regulating that and and in many instances you have neighborhood associations that will regulate the gardens that you the kind of gardens you you can have the kind of decks kind of patios other structures and your property so i mean it's we're, we're we've just been going down this this road of regulating everything on your own personal property so the more we can open it up the better I well, like
4: somebody it. Somebody has to make, say it before we get out of here because I know I got to say something about chicken and pot because we're having that conversation <laughs> <so> <laughs> I had to throw that out there. That's
3: fine. are not talking about pot.
4: All right it's time now for weekly off the record comments
0: from our panel. Final thoughts, predictions for the weeks ahead Dale Rowland you're up first.
2: Um, I, I think this uh, conference committee on the state budget uh, it's going to be bloody. It's going to be Something like we haven't seen in several years in this state, and when it all comes out in the end, it's not going to taste like chicken.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Jeff Winbush. Uh, this is a personal one uh, for me because I want to give a shout out to the Columbus Police Department because about two weeks ago, my uh, nephew was at home during a uh, burglary and he was held at gunpoint and he wasn't harmed, thank goodness. But the Columbus Police have made an arrest this week, so I want to give them their proper respect. All right, Bob Click.
3: Uh, I don't think we've heard the last of Mark Dan or any of the people in his administration, and I don't think we've had the last of the charges being filed against uh, he or uh, his people. Okay. And Sandy Tyson.
1: I will someday have my backyard poultry, and Ohio will see a reintroduction of the medical marijuana bill. It will be much more tightly controlled than the ones that we've seen pass in other states, and I think we'll be surprised by the uh, level of support it gets, but it won't pass just yet.
0: And the next step? Would be the ballot, you'd think.
1: I, I think that's probably the only way it will fly in Ohio.
0: If Michigan did it.
4: No?
1: Yeah, yeah. All right.
0: That is Columbus on the Record for this week. You can continue our the conversation at our website. Our question this week, would you complain if your neighbor started raising chickens? You can answer that question at our website, WOSU.org slash COTR. There we also have a blog. We have other discussion issues you can weigh in on on the state budget and the education reform plan that the governor has proposed. It's all available at our website wosu.org/cotr. For our crew here at WOSU at COSI and for our panel and all those back here at chickens, I'm Mike Thompson. Have a good week.